1: here we are with another episode of the running rugby podcast archie here from a sunny auckland saturday morning A we're doing this on the weekend boys no no more rugby to to watch tonight it's a bit strange um toby and leo joining me as usual and boys does it feel a bit weird coming back in um, having a weekend off but i don't feel as sort of as depressed as i normally do when i don't have rugby to watch
0: yeah archie totally i think you know these last four results for the wallabies is done wonders for our morale, as well as I think the general public in Australia following rugby. Um, so it's nice to have a little break and we don't have to worry about, you know, the next controversy in Australian rugby. You can focus on the next few games ahead for the European tour. And, yeah, the feeling's pretty positive around the traps.
2: And and just looking at, like, the squads and and the information coming out about players, like we're, we're in a position where we've got some momentum, uh, we're not fearing for you know, how on earth are we going to compete with these teams uh, on the tour? We're even leaving some guys at home to improve their um, sort of physical conditioning or particular sort of skill aspects of their game. Um, yeah. We're, we're in a spot where we can actually um, do a bit of, do a bit of development in the squad while also still taking a competitive side away. So yeah, there's things to look forward to, not just, uh, I suppose, the, the pain of expecting more defeats and, mm. and just finishing out the year, you know, feeling pretty hopeless. It's, it's a very different feeling, which is great.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, after the first sort of couple of Bledisloe games, I think few of us in the podcast were thinking like, should we just stop doing this? This is just, it's just painful every week trying to get on and trying to think about some positives or how we can turn things around when you're just not seeing any change each week. But Suddenly, as you say, like, it's just a different outlook, a bit more positive. Um, Australia looked really dominant versus the Pumas in the first sort of half of this game. Um, some good sort of interworking try through the back, some dominance from the forwards again. Um, they did let Argentina sort of come back late in the piece with two late tries, um, but still sort of comfortably win it by 15, 32 points to 17 in this one.
0: Yeah, I think it it's nice to see that we can be disappointed in our performance a little bit aspects of a performance and still be winning the game pretty comfortably. And so we're not being ruthless. We're not really piling on the points late when we get that ascendancy. We tend to still be relaxing a little bit when we get into a position where we're say, you know, 20 points ahead. Um, So I think we're still leaving a lot of points out there from an attacking point of view. Um, few defensive lapses late in this game, which is uncharacteristic of us. We've been amazing without offense, um, during the rugby championship, particularly, but yeah, a lot to like, I think there's positivity and that's going through the team that you can see the confidence. I was never really as a fan watching this worried that we were going to lose at any point. I felt like we were in control, Mm. um, And, yeah, I just think you can see it in Hooper and Rennie. Like there's a lot of positivity coming through them. They're feeling more comfortable in their roles. Hooper's endured so many years of answering the hard questions in media conferences, and now he's expressing himself more. You can see he's more relaxed, and I think that's just going to translate to a better all around the group and hopefully just building on these performances to close out the year.
2: Is uh, just correct me if I'm wrong. Is Hooper now the most capped Wallabies captain? So yeah. he's he's yeah, basically on his own. Yeah. yeah yeah he's he has capped so he has captained the team more than anyone times. else, and through a period where success has been you know very okay. very mixed you know mm, you know holding up a, holding up a trophy and and going to a press conference after a big win and a you know you a significant um, fixture. Very, very few opportunities. And now at, after all of that time with all that experience and all that um, yeah, yeah, difficulty behind him, he, he gets to pile on more um, opportunities to captain on a, on a sort of rising trend. Like that's got to feel good because he knows exactly how it feels to go through losses in almost every rugby playing continent and and competition now. And to be getting some success, it's – yeah, it must feel it must feel great, and and yeah, like I said, Rennie seems very very supportive. The the group look really happy. Bringing in these guys that maybe maybe there was a lot of the personalities, like the strong personalities who were determined to succeed and and play at the highest level, and and you know and left for Japan and left for Europe, and you've seen these guys come in and bring this energy and some maturity, and it's it's just changed the dynamic from this from this rookie team with a few old dogs that were still trying to to get us through and now it just feels like we've got all this firepower and we definitely, like Toby said, haven't seen the best of it on offence.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's those same players that keep sort of standing up um, like Cooper and Samu again, sort of really illustrating this game, how, how well they can sort of combine and play. Obviously Samu getting across for another try, but we can't go past um, the star boy of 2021 Australian rugby, Andrew Kelly, a hat trick in this game. Well and truly, the top try scorer in the rugby championship, far out in front of anyone else. He uh, was top list. try
2: scorer before that match. That's true. No one. one really got had four.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now he's out at seven. So absolute like um, dream of a season for this man on his debut year for Wallabies rugby, and he's, he's getting gonna be close to breaking sort of the. Wallaby's record for most tries in the season. He might have to do Folau if he gets a, a few more on this European tour. Yeah,
2: it looks, looks the part. Looks like he fits in. Consistent, stable. Um, his tackle technique and um, just just making sure that he, he drops everyone he's, he, who runs at him is just so, so bulletproof. Like, it's just round the legs, round the ankles, you know, sliding guys into touch. Um, I, think he, I think he might have fallen off one tackle that I was a bit surprised at this game, but can do no wrong. And like in terms of shoring up an edge and, and still having some attacking spark, he just runs great lines and he, he floats into first receiver unexpectedly at times and he can actually deliver the pass that needs to be delivered from that position. So having, having that talent out on the wing, it's no surprise they're, they're maybe side-eyeing him as a, as a fullback what? in future.
1: He got some time at fullback in this game. Um, So saw him sort of popping up in a few different spots than what we normally saw. Um, So that was good to see. And I think his second try was probably the most impressive of um, actually breaking through a few tackles, getting through that Puma's line and actually getting himself over from 10 metres out. Um, It's not just that being in the right place at the right time. He can create stuff himself.
0: Yeah, he's got some power through his core and, you know, great kind of late footwork. Just the ability to find the line. He's always had that, and we've seen it from schoolboy level think yeah. through into the NRC and Waratahs until he hit a, a rougher patch of form before he went over to the UK. But he's come back a more complete player, obviously still pretty mature. He's played a lot of rugby in his, what, 25 years. Yeah. Um, so he's got plenty of time for his career in the future with the Wallabies as well. So really good to see. Um, one of the the best stories, I think, of of the year for the Wallabies.
2: This this to me also reinforces like we talk about guys going overseas, getting experience, like being exposed to different styles of play and um, different environments, and you know making a few friends, having a few different experiences outside the the cradles of uh, Brisbane and Sydney and Melbourne and Canberra and whatnot. But to me, it just emphasizes how much value there might be in partnerships with other clubs in the north whether it's japan or in the in um the sort of uk or eu like to know that you can send some talented guys who are a bit raw uh out to to get some experience with a bit of control like you know with two years is going to go to that team and and just um, because if they're you know not really performing consistently here, let's just go give them a bit more exposure somewhere else. Know that they're going to come back. They're still signed; they'll be back. You do that in that couple of years after a World Cup when things are a little bit more. Um, I suppose you know there's fewer things to play for and fewer uh, fewer important build up games. Um, if you can spare these guys, like what what comes back just seems to be double triple value of what you had. Um, and there's room to do that with some of our players. We don't want to see, like, you know, ship out a whole lot of youth uh, for a couple of years all the time, but certain guys are, are just getting so much out of that. Um, we should be really trying to develop those partnerships so that we can control the movement, give people opportunities, a bit of a pay bump, bring them back as better players.
0: And given they can actually play for the Wallabies whilst they're away now at the moment, um you know, that's great as well, that we have the opportunity to actually see those guys at international level, even if they're missing from our domestic product. Um, I think that's going to help. Whether that's the strategy long-term in ter- terms of losing talent overseas early, if that's going to have a quite a damaging effect on, on the super rugby franchises, um, we'll have to see. But this whole centralised model that Rugby Australia is talking about now with having more control over how the state's, um, you know, mm. deal with their players, certain mm. positions that need to be filled in, in a certain team and, and controlling that more like New Zealand tend to do, bringing guys through at the right time, I think is a huge step forward. If we can have that cooperation between the states, that would be amazing. So there's a lot of good things. I think this, this you know, contingent of, of leadership in rugby Australia since Raylene Castle moved, moved on. Um, although she was responsible for bringing in Dave Rennie, I think outside that, there's been a lot of steps forward um, in Australian rugby since the start of 2020.
2: It was just such a basket case. You know, it was, it was primed for a big shakeup, and in a lot of ways, it needed a big shakeup. So, yeah, hopefully, we're seeing that now.
1: And do you have to feel bad for the Pumas on this tour? And I mean, they've been on the road for months and months and months, haven't been able to play at home um, for over a year. Uh, between sort of Europe, South Africa and Australia now. Um, they cop the raw end under the deal with missing photo shoots in Townsville and feeling like they have been left out with six of their players being stuck across the border in Byron Bay, um, not able to make it back to Queensland for this game and so weren't available. It's been tough for them and I think they, they definitely felt like they, I think Montoya said it at the end of the game, like they normally love... Um, coming to Australia, but they, they haven't quite felt the same uh, on this tour. Um, so really tough for them to see. I really do hope that they manage uh, to get a bit of rest and recuperation at home and maybe get a bit more success and a bit more combinations coming into the um, their European sort of spring tour as well.
0: And just such a backward step for them from last year, some of the results they managed to to obtain there, we thought they were really building their way nicely into the rugby championship for the future, challenging some of the top teams. And yeah, it's just taken a turn for the worse. A lot of the key guys are still there and hopefully they can recover for next year, but it's a real shame given, you know, we know they're out of super rugby now and it doesn't look like they're going to have a team in a competition of that level coming out of Argentina. Um, So a lot of their players will be forced back into Europe and, there might be less cohesion in that group. So, yeah, a bit sad. I'm hoping that they keep um, their coaching staff together. I think they've got a pretty good group there. It's just, yeah, there's been a lot of adversity this year and um, they need a bit more, I guess, time to prepare and and kind of get those home games back because that's
1: quite important to them as well. Moving on to what probably was the biggest news of the weekend and that was the following game. At Springboks, All Blacks, obviously the massive um, sort of upset Springboks coming out on top and giving the All Blacks their first defeat of the season. They wanted to go undefeated through the rugby Beauty Championship. And many were pointing to this game as one of the best ever between these teams. Um It ends 31-29, to obviously huge amounts of penalty goals, especially right at the end, drop goals from Elton Yang. She's... Um, what do you think it is about this Springboks team that, first off, that they were able to sort of turn around after some dismal performances versus the Wallabies, um, and what is it about this tactic that seems to upset the way that the All Blacks play?
2: I'm not sure about why the tactic works. They they found energy from somewhere for this game. Like they they played a full 80 minutes plus uh, at an intensity we haven't seen them play at this year so far. So for them to bring that level to this last game obviously a very big game huge huge spoil um, to, to to come away with with a scalp from from the All Blacks who have looked so strong so far um, is is just immense and and guys who we you know we were talking about how their centers just look kind of a bit flat like weren't really doing much we, and we had that amazing offload early on the on the counter against the mm. Black All Blacks and and put DLND over with um, with, you know, early points putting pressure on the All Blacks, and then they just kept that pressure up on them. Um, you know, kicks spilled into the middle of the field, people not communicating well. Um, just, just They just kept, I guess, the physicality up and the chases through on those kicks and didn't let the All Blacks create counterattack. Like, the Wallabies tried to do something similar, but I guess I, I was criticising the kick chase and, and the pressure. I think the All Blacks just... Um, just cut us up because there wasn't much in front of them, but the, the spring box managed to put the ball at the right end of the field, spoil and and contain, and then pin them down and force them to sort of kick back to the sidelines more than anything. So um, it's, it's funny. It felt like similar tactics, but obviously there's a lot of subtleties in how it's executed that the, the box just nailed on the weekend.
0: We talked about their lack of perhaps depth in their touring squad and given how many games they actually dropped in a row, it's rare to see, you know, such min- minimal changes to their starting lineup. They obviously have kept the faith and it's been repaid here. It's just whether, do you guys think in the next couple of years they're going to have to have a major shakeup for this team to actually be competitive in the 2023
1: mm. World Cup? Well, that's it. You add two more years onto a lot of these players that we're already seeing maybe looking a little bit tired and you go, I don't know how many of that starting team are going to be still firing um, for the next World Cup. So what do you do? Do you you then look to rebuild now and get some young names maybe on this their sort of European tour, um, get some more experience sort of going forward? Um, I mean, it's reflected as well in the URC with the super teams now up there having a very poor time against um, those other teams. Um, from the island and from Scotland and France as well. Um, They're struggling themselves. So it's hard to know where they're going to go from here.
2: And it is like a key time. We're we're basically near enough two years out. Do you try and carry those guys through? Do you have anyone you can develop quickly enough? Considering the situation they're going to be in through that, um, was it URC uh, competition? Next year, we might have further restrictions on on travel if, if COVID kind of keeps following the seasonal um, spike that they might end up playing away from home a bit again uh, next year. We could still have these sort of competition bubbles. Maybe they'll be somewhere else. I, I wouldn't expect to see them in South Africa with everyone going to them. So um, do, you, do you rely on those guys and maybe, maybe try and, look after them, protect them, condition them for the next couple of years, thinking we're, we're just not going to get um, the the development and depth done in time now because they haven't sort of started. And, and they've been handicapped because last year they didn't play at all. So, um, yeah, it's really tough for them. There's a, a set of factors that are really against them on all sides. Um, at this point, they obviously showed they could do it. They need to They need to find a way to bottle that lightning they brought last weekend and and if they could, if they could keep playing like that, like these guys are still talented. That's fine, yeah. Yeah, two, two years more of age in the legs. Um, they're not all gonna. There will be attrition, right? They're not all gonna make it. Um, I worry particularly for their backline. I think that's where there's just not a lot of international caliber guys to select from. Um, they've got a little bit more depth in the forwards, perhaps.
0: Yeah, I think so too, and. You'd have to think with the player pool they have in South Africa, like it is huge. Um, they've got the Curry Cup, which is a pretty competitive competition as well. But you've got to wonder if playing in Europe has been detrimental to the development of their games. We've seen the Springboks play more like a Northern Hemisphere team. And I actually think that they need to embrace that kind of ball-in-hand style they brought mm. towards the, you know, back into the World Cup where they were kind of scoring tries from anywhere. And it wasn't just all about kicking. I think they've gone too far to that, um, to that tactic. So, you know, the fact they're not playing in super rugby, they're not encountering New Zealand teams as frequently, I think is has probably been a little bit detrimental to their game.
1: Because it was, it was what seemed to shift a little bit, like they did stick to a lot of the kicking, but they also weren't afraid to pass the ball a couple of passes yeah, wide it exactly. actually get their backs into the game which maybe is what helped their sort of centers and wings play a little bit better um in this but i mean they get the win first team to beat the all blacks in 2021 like that's a massive deal for them it continues that sort of rivalry going strong they take the world number one spot back off the all blacks as well um, which must feel good despite finishing third overall in the rugby championship so a few victories sort of all around here like Australia getting a couple of wins over the world, number ones, New Zealand come, taking the rugby championship in Bledisloe and South Africa reclaiming number one spot. They, they're all sort of having elements that they can sort of point to as sort of successes in this season. But now we, we move on. We, we now have a couple of weeks before sort of spring tour, European tours start. Um, the Wallabies and the All Blacks have now put out their touring squads uh, both have a few names staying back at home. Um, they both go, first of all, the Wallabies to Japan um, for their first game while the All Blacks head over to the US uh, to play uh, the, the USA Eagles uh, before heading both heading to Europe as well. So um, some interesting sort of warm-up games, a few sort of new names joining the squad. And probably for the Wallabies, I mean, we, we highlighted that this was maybe likely last week but it's those three names that we talked about, Rory Arnold, Will Skelton and Tolu Latu have formerly been included in that squad. Um, three more European players to buffer up sort of the, those lock stocks, front row stocks. Um, and so it means that we, we get to see these guys hopefully bring back a little bit of um, what they've learned in those European championships and help give it a little bit more experience to this Wallabies team that's gaining more confidence.
0: Yeah. And I don't think we're going to see any of those guys against Japan, right? That they're going to come into the mix more for the Scotland game. Yeah, I don't think they'll
1: join until the Wallabies get to Europe, will they? Because they yeah. probably.
0: But it, it'll be it will be interesting to see how much of an impact they can have, particularly as we, you know, our form's been ascending. And actually the guys in our second row, because obviously Skelton and Arnold are two guys to bolster that area. Darcy Swain, Phillip. Um, you know, I think. Those sorts of guys have been good, but it it will just, I think, bring a more competitive edge to the squad. Will Skelton, I was watching some of his highlights for La Rochelle and he's just, he's an animal, like on both sides of the ball. You'll see him hitting it up midfield, giving those little deft offloads to people as he was doing back five years ago for the Wallabies and Waratahs. And then you've got Arnold obviously being so destructive in the mall and, Um, you know, offering some really good size for coming line-out time as well. So it could be a really, really good finish to the year for the Wallabies if we play our cards right. Um, I think for us, England is such a huge game um, over at Twickenham, the the third game on tour. If we can get a win there, um, you know, I expect us to beat Japan and Scotland and then we get to England. If we can get over them, suddenly it's such a successful season in the scheme of things. Um, and it's really on the, the all blacks that have really been our our biggest problem, I guess.
2: Yeah, that's, that's fair. It's, I think they'd be pretty happy to come away with three wins in this tour. Obviously if they can get England um, particularly that that's a big one um, as much for rankings, but for like, you know, old, old nemesis type stuff. And, and, um, Publicity like that's that's the big scalp everyone will be paying attention to. Um, with all, with the new guys potentially joining the squad, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they work them in because we're only taking three second rowers. but bringing the two guys in once we get across to the European side. Obviously, those two guys are very very talented and and big bodies. Like you've got someone like Swain who's who's still young but but very skilled in his own and skilled in his own way, but he's just not going to have the same amount of bulk um, and physicality of those guys. And you wonder if particularly Philip, but maybe Swain as well are the ones that slide back if those guys Mm -hmm. start getting an opportunity because they'll look at Swain and say, look, you've had a great season so far. Don't feel like you're getting kind of dropped out here, but we need to bring these guys through and, and build some combination and see how they fit too. And they're already used to playing these guys in their competitions. They're acclimatized over that side of the world. Um, you know, there's obviously good relationships with Arnold and a lot of the Brumbies players. Skelton hasn't been around um for maybe a little while longer. But to see those guys in, I'm sure they'll have a massive impact, but but at what cost? Like who's going to miss out? And I think Swain and Philip, definitely Philip. I think Swain's probably unfortunately, just because he's young, they'll they'll give him a bit of a rest and let him learn and and um Kind of be mentored by those guys.
0: So I don't I think, think it's he, a big margin, see, but it's. I think Rod has proved, though, coming back pretty quickly that he's a guy you yeah, yeah, can has. rely on every game. I, and, I, I and he's not
2: a showy player, but he's definitely he's he's he do very that. solid he in yet. every way. Yeah, and he's a and he's got a big engine, and we we knew he was quality from before. Um, he will he will be a physical contest against anyone else on the world stage. He's not going to get overpowered. He's not going to get overrode.
1: So then you I, could. Have, I dare say you have um, either Skelton or Arnold partnering Rodder off versus England. I dare say. I, I
0: I wouldn't be surprised if they start Arnold and Skelton together and really versus just England. go all out and bring Rodder off the bench if you get into trouble.
2: Because
0: hmm. it's just some of the big forwards that England has. I think you know, and Rodder's not a small human by any means, but really throwing Skelton and Arnold at them. And maybe then having a slightly smaller back row, maybe you start Sean McMahon with Hooper um, and Valentini and run them around a little bit that way, but also have that real punch through the middle. Um, less worried about the front row. I think Tolu Latu is, I mean, who knows with him? You could get a, an amazing game wild out card. of him. He is a real wild card, honestly. If he's If he's up and about, he's one of the best hookers, I think, out there easily can go missing, can have yeah. really error ridden games. And Falafanga, to be honest, has been pretty pretty good in the last two. Well, or he's, three he's games. managed.
1: When you think about the fact that he wasn't named in that initial squad, and he's forced his way back into the team, um, and then made himself a starter. Um, BPA obviously not on this tour. Um, so and he's obviously leaving Australian shores for next year anyway. So really, you've got Falafanga. I mean, Connell McInerney is there. Um, I feel like that's a bit of a desperation cover. Um, and then you have Felidi Kaitu that might get the odd game, but well, it's really for flying as and then potentially. La- Tolu- this could be
2: Latu's, right? Like if he comes out and he's great. Leo's, but I think Leo's, he's but I think he's, he's also well, F- finger and Latu are very were- similar in the issue I have is that they just cannonball at people's legs. They're they both do risks- love
1: Yeah, they do love they're diving. at Both people's
2: massive liabilities for for no arms tackles for dangerous play, and it's part of their game. It's what it's, it's what makes them, um, I suppose, physical competitors. But there's just no room for it because of the way the officiating has brought its focus back about about dangerous play. That they're not going to overlook that stuff. So. I actually think there's a good chance Latu manages to to beat out everyone else. Um, he's been obviously brought into this squad. He's kind of I think you he, don't you don't bring someone who's not a headline act in when you've only got so few spots to to offer up. So I expect they'll use him, and I and I expect that he if he's in good condition, then he could beat out Fanga as a starter. Um, I just hope Kai gets some opportunity because. Yeah. He brings a different set of um, skills. He doesn't have that vulnerability of those guys, but he's also not as he's not at the same level as them either. That's that's where we should be trying to get him to. And those guys need to work on their technique, or it'll be very frustrating seeing us concede dumb penalties on our line and get cards, disrupt our scrum late in the game when they're getting found out. Because you know the officials, you know Eddie Jones is going to be, you know, nudging the 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 refs before the gaming. You know keep an eye on these guys. They're, they're dangerous tacklers, you know. And then the first thing they'll see is someone getting their knees lot. I, uh, I
0: guarantee go. you that Latu's missed the memo on that, particularly because he hasn't been playing throughout this rugby championship. Um, I anticipate he'll come off the bench for the Scotland game. And then if he's playing well, maybe he starts for England. Kai too, it's just it's a shame he hasn't had more game time because I think he's got a lot of potential. Mm. And Cole, we wasted I think, some there, time
2: on Ulysses.
0: Yeah, that's totally. That's very true. I think Connell is there for his set piece. He's very solid, and given Dan McKellar knows him very well yeah. as the Ford's coach, yeah, he'll be. I don't able to think come he'll let slalom. you down. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's actually like a, you know pretty nimble around the park too. If you watch him for the Brumbies, um, yeah, I've just look. I've been impressed by Fang. I think he's. It doesn't look like physically he's changed his body too much, and he's he's still carrying a bit a bit of that flab, but knows how to find the line, um, puts himself in good positions, and he's pretty pretty elite at the back of the mall. There, um, Tolly's going to be fascinating to see how he's changed his game after playing in in Paris for what two or three years now. Yeah, not exactly. sure exactly when he left, but he's um yeah he's a wild card and definitely someone who's going to be entertaining if he gets on the park.
1: It'll be interesting as well for this Japanese game because we do have um, a few players that you might be hoping to see a little bit more game time. Simon Karebi obviously came off in that last game with an injury. They're talking about he may not be available. Um, I think definitely not for Japan. Scotland might be a push. He might be um, not back in the team until we get to England just because they want to make sure he's healthy. So this might be the time for Hunter to try and get another couple of starts, get a bit more game time again under his belt, um, try and force his way back in, obviously, since um, Len has come in to 13 and Karevi is there as well. So whether whether we see a bit of a, a Paisami and Co and coming in for this um, Japan game and a bit of a different look at fullback as well.
0: I think that would suit him perfectly. I think he's better at 12 anyway. There was some word around that Rhys Hodge might get another go at 12. Just like, please stop doing Surely this. Surely not like, with
2: the no fullbacks.
0: Well, well, Kelleway's a cover there. I think James O'Connor now been really not considered um, closely for that fullback spot. But it's like, do you then, do you take a chance playing Quaid and James O'Connor at 12, for example, or something? I think you need that more sturdy ball carrier at 12. I think Hunter can offer that and he's still got the all-round skill set. Actually a shame I think Simone hasn't had more of a look in. Uh, particularly given his combination with ikitao at the Brumbies. But yeah, I think instead of moving Ikitao around or taking him out of the squad, I think given Samu's going to be missing a, a game or two, I think Paisami, he hasn't played for a while, but this would be a perfect opportunity to get get him reacquainted with Ikitao.
2: And that that is a combination we have seen. Like it wasn't as it it, it probably wasn't as good as what we've seen with Caravian um Lens really. Found a way to work well together and have support each other there in the center. We didn't quite get that combination. Um,
0: you get a similar Paisa game,
2: but yeah, you you're get right. A it's, similar
0: game from Paisami and Nikitao, In to a nice be way,
2: it's a poor man's Karevi, right? He's he's similar, yeah. but he's not just not at that same elite level. He's not a he's not a, a one off talent like well, yeah. like Karevi is. He's, and he's missing center, about twenty yeah. kilos. You know, yeah.
0: he he doesn't yeah. have that ability to really break the line. But, but he's he probably smart doesn't change.
2: Yeah, he probably probably doesn't change the way you play, like the style of game, the some of the set piece stuff. You you can probably drop him in and achieve a lot of the same things without having to say, oh, well, this is a completely different player. He's more of a runner than a player, right? But he has a bit of play. I don't know. Which is, I I think that's what Karevi is. He's he can distribute accurately enough, so he's he's got a piece of um, kind of distributor in his game, but he's predominantly a, a a bruiser, a runner. Um, with a, with that little bit of finesse that you like to have so you can be a bit sort of tricky with him, um, you know, use him as a, as a decoy even after he's given the ball away.
0: His off, offload game is excellent, Karevi, but I would argue that Hunter is more of a distributor than, than Karevi naturally, and I think we are talking about that earlier in the year, that maybe he could slot into five8 if he needed to. He did. Um, yeah, you know, that, sne- did. that sneaky all-round ability that I think we've seen from Lenny Tower from Simone, from Hunter, where they've got a great kicking game. You know, they still can carry the ball hard to the line. They're really good defenders as well. Um, So that's what I like about having those two there. It opens up options and you can get the ball wide more quickly. Um, But I think we're going to see missing Karevi, like that's going to stand out to us because he's the guy who's really turned our season around. I think a lot of people gave... Quaid a fair bit of credit in that first game when he yeah. came back, but it was, was think that really stabilised everything.
1: And it just draws so much focus in from um, forwards and backs on the other team um, so any time that he's looking to um, take the ball to the line, there's got a lot of focus drawn and they, they have to commit lots of players um, to take him down and he doesn't tend to ever um, get pushed backwards, so he always just gains momentum.
2: Yeah, So Paisai will be less threatening but I, I still think he, you can drop him in and, yeah, he's got a bit more player about him. He, he won't um, bowl people over as, as often and as easily as Karevi, but um, he's, he's a good fit. And then you probably need to lean on uh, when, you know, Korobedi's in there, his pick and go, pick and go, um, that fast move up the field, that's going to be drawing people in, get him running some some strong lines up with some support, keep the ball moving forward. You've then got a, a range of options between Kellaway, Hodge, is it Patea, is it Tom Wright back in? They're taking Dalgunu as well, which I think is great. Like, those guys can all come in on some different angles and and provide some some sort of breakthrough, like we started seeing with Banks coming off um, short balls around the ruck.
1: Looking at the all-black squad that they've put together now, um, and they also have a few names that they're leaving behind in the, in the likes of, um, I can't even remember, Scott, Scott Barrett. Um no, leaving behind. Oh, sorry. Um, Scott Barrett, Aaron Smith um not coming along with them. They've brought in a few names from home with Dane Cole, Sam Whitelock, Shannon Frizzell joining the squad, and a brand new name to try and shore up some of those lock stocks with Josh Lord, um, sort of uncapped um, youngster into join the squad that they really like, um, his physical capabilities around the field, hoping to get him a bit of extra time. Um, but This is a team that's going to play the USA. Um, So you think a lot of these um, sort of B, sort of string, C string players are going to get a run there. And then they're going to be playing Wales um, a week before the international window actually opens. So the Welsh will, one, be without a bunch of club players that won't be released from English Premier Clubs, um, as well as quite a few injuries, uh, the latest being Liam Williams um, going out for that.
2: That's a super sneaky bit of scheduling because presumably that game still counts as a All Blacks versus Wales game in the calendar and for rankings. I see. Why are we doing that, mate?
0: No, the All Blacks are always. (laughs) I think two steps ahead.
2: Hey England, do you want to have a warm-up game like three weeks earlier? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, like, but that's good. So you go against someone like USA, you can take those types of development players and have confidence. that it's not all just going to fall apart, and you're not going to lose to the USA. There's there's no money to be made in the gambling there. That's that's going to be a big win, pretty much no matter what. But versus for us, versus someone like Japan, you're like ah, they can be a bit, they can be a bit, um, sort of surprising at times. Um, maybe less so. Since uh, in the last couple of years, after after really peaking yeah, around can, the World we Cup, we can't take you, France
1: like uh, Japan. No, lightly. no, lightly.
2: you can't. Whereas you can absolutely take the USA lightly. You could run out a C team and still be comfortable winners. So how is
1: it?
0: How do the All Blacks not play England again? Well, they have to play it's France. Like, yeah, but so. like everyone wants to see that England All Blacks match up more often, and we just don't get it. Like there was a period yet, like for what four or five years, and they didn't even play. Um, it's just disappointing. I know England's not the team perhaps they were a few years ago, but it's still I mean they're playing England? Ireland
1: and France on this one. England so might so not want that game,
0: man. Yeah, yeah. look, might Ireland has dropped the off. Loss. Well, I think it's almost both of them. Yeah, it's like they're they both know yeah, yeah, they're both concerned with each other. Um, yeah. but every time they play it is a huge game. It's yeah, I just you think, think for money, be money aspect, playing once a be. year. It's crazy. Like at Twickenham, you know, imagine yeah. the money generated by that.
2: So what have they got Arch? They've got USA, Wales, and then they have got Scotland, Ireland, it,
1: and no, they're, they're playing Italy, and then oh, Italy, and then Ireland, and then France is their. Yeah. Last I mean, round. France is always great. Oh, finishing oh, that, on that France that would be a great. Yeah. So playing in Paris, um, end of the tour. Full strength, strength are they talent. are they
2: now all really? well combined, they're all playing really well together, or are they exhausted? They they're probably not. they pro- well, I mean, physically are they just, yeah, just bruised and, and a bit battered from all the contact, but they're probably not going to drop any of these games, right? So um that's the one they'll have to find the the energy to finish strong. Mm. So and yeah. France, it'll be fascinating. France
1: will be well and truly healthy for that because they've got a game versus Argentina and a game versus Georgia before that. So they're not really it's playing good. any of the real powerhouse teams.
2: But I mean that's also have they being forced to play at the level of the All Blacks and and that yeah, well, they be they, too yeah. much
1: of a step. You can go both ways, yeah. I guess.
2: But but yeah, no, that's that's a good finish. Um, lacking a game against England, a couple of easy beats in there, a couple of games that we should see a contest, and then the, the France game to finish is a nice one. Uh, I worry a bit for them without Aaron Smith, to be honest. What I saw from Parana, I did not like in these last couple of games. Um, He put, he almost put McKenzie in hospital with one of these passes last weekend, like just served him up on a platter to the box. And, you know, if he's throwing it to Bowden or Richie or or McKenzie or anyone else for that matter, like it's just, he's, he's looked off his, his previous pace. He hasn't looked as dynamic and his his decision-making I I question. Whereas when Brad Weber was in on the weekend, I think he looked a lot more direct, Mm. you know, maybe it was a simpler game, but, um, I think he performed well. So, Sans, Aaron Smith, I think they should be probably leaning on Weber, to be honest. I think there, there, is that, there has yeah. been
1: talk that Weber has overtaken Perinara as the number two. That and there's actually been a lot of um, chat that because Finlay Christie's been taken on this tour as well, that they want to see a little bit more sort of involvement from him potentially as a future um, yeah. player. Um, obviously. He's it's him as one of the young guys with someone like Falau Fakitava that they're looking at as to be the next sort of um generational nine that's gonna um stick to that number nine jersey for the years after the World
2: Cup. He's their tape or their um you know, or their Lonigan or something. Like he's the guy who they need to expose to these this level of game and, and make sure that when he's thrown in as a starter, it's he's not just um, deer in headlights sort of thing at the pace and the and the ferocity of it all. But he's a good player. I feel like Chrisy's a very good player. So, um, yeah, I think it's good. I think Perinara is probably sliding. Um, you know, he's had a pretty pretty good career. There's nothing against him, but I think he's probably been overtaken maybe by more than just Weber. He looked, maybe he looked
0: poor. Maybe we will see him at the Roosters at some point then. Maybe we'll <laughs> make that jump. Yeah. Benji's just retired. You could just fill in for him at the Rabbitohs or something like um, I don't know, New Zealand just seem to have this, they're lacking that, almost that invincibility. They sometimes, you know, that aura around them. I feel mm-hmm. like some of the young players haven't probably been as impactful as, as maybe they expected. Even guys like Papa Lee. Um, there's just not that kick on, I guess, from the next generation of players. And seeing um, people like Perinara starting to come towards the end of their career Maybe there is going to be a period of of you know less All Blacks dominance in the next five years.
2: They've they've been obviously still very strong, like on on win loss. They're still yeah, good right, season, really hard to beat, loss. right? Um, but but I think you're right. Some of that maybe there's been some injuries, like guys who are next next generation, like Goodhue and or like the backs, and then there's been some injuries, like losing Sam Kane for who's supposed to be a captain and, and not having that link between the old and the young um, probably is a part of that because um, they've, they've changed their team, their lineup more than normal. And even just the um, uncertainty really around Bowden versus Richie at 10, like I think they probably lost this game against the box last weekend because they didn't play enough of Moana. I think he would have been a, a difference making player in that game. Um, but yeah. I guess situation sort of dictated that they couldn't have him in previous games and they didn't want to rush him back in. So so be it. But, but those guys need to stand up and, and keep directing traffic and, and give the, the younger guys a chance to develop. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they play at 10 in this USA game. I guess well, whether and just McKenzie in- is the guy who gets another run as a, a cheap man's 10.
0: This, I was going to say, uh, it's just Ian Foster as well, I think. It's it's that all around the coaching staff as well. I think I'd be a lot more concerned if Scotty Robertson was at the helm. Ian Ian Foster as I don't think it quite adds up from an All Blacks perspective. I don't think he maybe is the quality of coach that they really need. And although they've had like you said Leo, a pretty decent season, only dropping one game. I think there's still people around that think he's not the long term man for the job. Or the the long term man for the job mm. exactly. But, but and they were
2: almost heaps hoping it fail all the time um, about this. So whether yeah, or not yeah, yeah. it's true. It's a,
1: it's a constant question. Bit, any, time, yeah, it's, any sort of.
2: And it hasn't been before, right?
1: So, uh, like, not, not, so not, much, not so much. Like for
2: previous coaches.
1: Not for previous coaches, no. there was There's never sort of been not the since constant before. questioning about it, even when he is yeah. having successful seasons.
2: So take the media out of it. If they'd had the season that they've had and the success of the last two years and the media hadn't been questioning whether he's the right guy for the job, Do you think you'd still think that? Like, is is that is that that's obvious? You know, in isolation of all the reporting, because this reporting's been pretty one way.
0: Yeah, but why is that? That has to be for a reason. It can't be all political. There must be some substance to that. No, but it's a bit of a thread that they haven't dropped. You know, like is he riding on the coattails of Steve Hansen? but was Steve Hansen riding on the coattails of Graham Henry? I think Graham Henry and Steve Hansen in their own right are great coaches. Steve Hansen performed for such a long period of time as head coach and got the results. One, you know, was it one World Cup or two World Cups? Uh, Graham Henry got the first one. I think he yeah, one. He got one. But, I mean, I just, yeah, I feel like they almost wanted Ian Foster to fail early so that they could make that transition. And now because we're only two years out, They've so kind of made the decision to sign him, and him. But we're just gonna we're gonna go for it. Maybe he's not, we're not quite 100 happy. Maybe we can all ride, ride the coattails
2: of the players. <laughs>
0: well, I'll tell you what, Rennie wasn't wasn't doing that for for Checker, was he? He had to come in and make some pretty dramatic changes, and yeah, that's right. that's been something that I've been pretty happy with. I think culturally, Australian rugby's changed a lot. Um, the reporting of it's changed. You know, obviously the broadcasting. There's been a lot of big changes around last two years and I think we're trending in the right direction. I think the All Blacks might be plateauing a bit, if not trending down and probably the Springboks a similar way and maybe England as well. So there there could be a, a period here where we're going to the next World Cup and it's quite open, which is exciting. We don't want just one dominant team to come in and sweep every time and look, it could be another Northern Hemisphere team. Like We've only seen England win one World Cup and no one else from the Northern Hemisphere could get it done. So Maybe someone like Ireland or Wales could sneak in there. France, um, yeah, France. I think is a great opportunity for them. They probably are they the host. Anything, yeah, they're probably the favorite, I guess. If, so. you, mm-hmm. if you discount England,
1: um, so yeah, pretty exciting. I think the next couple of years in the international forum. Before we get too far into the future, I think we'll take. We should take a second to look back at what has been a really entertaining year for the most part of Australian rugby, Australian Super Rugby. Um, obviously with a little bit of a blip there with Super Rugby Trans-Tasman as well. But boys, I wanted to ask you what what out of all of this has been sort of your favourite moment from this year? You can, yeah, going back to Super Rugby AU even or has it just been with the Wallabies? What's, what stood out for you as being the most significant?
2: I'm, I'm still uh, really impressed just back at the Super Rugby side, the, the level of the competition we had. And and those epic battles, Reds, Brumbies, where we had three games coming down to the death, high-scoring affairs, um, like that was just such a great time to have another another team playing at a really high level against the team that's been able to, to sort of carry Australian rugby's reputation for so long. Um, obviously, disappointing that that some of the other sides of the Tars and the Rebels were in disarray, but I mean they're both now in in proper rebuild mode. The the Waratahs entire marketing thing it's pumping out this what you know TARS rebuild rebuild 22 is their their slogan really they, they know they're in rebuild they're they're making that very obvious um but yeah just that that level of competition that then has transitioned with a lot of these players some of whom i i would have just scrubbed i would have said you know why are we picking up Kelloway from the rebels that makes no sense other people should whoa, whoa how wrong was i um that that the fact that we've had a couple of teams being able to play at that level, and that's transitioning into the Wallabies and and their rising fortunes. Like overall, um, if I had to pick a moment. I guess it's the Reds winning the the Super Rugby final, but the whole journey of of imp- improvement from a lot of players has just been so enjoyable to see.
0: Yeah, I think Super Rugby AU was a great start to the year, and it's been a really like it's been a roller coaster of year. If you look at you know, the highs of AU and then going into Trans-Tasman, a real dip in interest and then back up into the French series, managing to clinch that. And then against the All Blacks kind of falling down um, consistently in three games, um, leading into obviously the Springboks match, which was for me such a huge high, beating them as the reigning world champions and going into that game with no expectations really, thinking we probably, here's another loss. And then, bang, turn the season around. Quade Cooper kicks eight from eight. What a story. I mean, that was, for me, the highlight of the season. And now we're on this upwards trend, and I'm hoping it'll continue um, and into next year with Super Rugby Pacific. Um, look, I think it's it's been a mixed year, but I think there's a lot of good things we can take out of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I think it was being at that final French game. Yeah. Um, the absolute drop in the heart at seeing Marika getting red carded four minutes in and then watching this Wallabies team battle through with 14 players. I think we forget just how good Noah was in that game. 23 points to his name, sort of kicking everything, scored a try on his own merit as well um, and getting sort of that win over a really tightly um, fought sort of series against the French and this absolute sort of rookie team that has been put together. Um, I think we, we can't forget how good some of those young guys did play um, in that thing, even though we've now brought sort of some of these more experienced guys, it's it's looking very bright for um, Australian rugby in the, in the next few years. And as we bring through a lot of more development in these players as well. And
0: also just having, I think, super rugby on free to air is just massive going into next year. I think we'll pump it up again. Um, maybe actually get some games on channel nine rather than gem and, I think that'll continue to to build the interest in rugby in the in the general public.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's leave it there, boys. Um, lovely to see you on a Saturday morning. Uh, we've got another another weekend without rugby coming up before we get to see a little bit more. But um, I'm excited all the same. Make sure, everyone, you are looking at our socials on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod and liking and subscribing to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, From me, Toby and Leo, thanks for tuning in for another one and remember, keep on running. Run.